Hey, what's up? You're tuned into the podcast edition of The Cutting Room, the show where we talk to industry-leading marketing professionals about their content marketing philosophy, process, and pregame before they edit an article live. I'm your host, Tommy Walker, and thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Eddie Schleiner, the founder of Very Good Copy. And before Very Good Copy, he was the lead copywriter at G2, and he's consulted for companies like Gong, Ramp, Drift, Help Scout, and a lot more. And in our conversation today, we talk about the importance of brevity and copywriting, strategies for ideation and maintaining a repository of ideas, and incentivizing audience engagement in content promotion. I hope you enjoy the show. Tell me about your content marketing philosophy and how has it evolved over time? I try to keep things as concise as possible. You know, I have a word count that I'm usually trying to stay within when I write my articles. So I have that word count, but there's also like three elements, I, I guess, or three pillars to everything, every article that I write. There's like the narrative or the story, the anecdote, and then there's the lesson. So the copywriting or creativity uh, principle or technique, because that's what I write about, copywriting and creativity. And then I have that word count. And so like my the puzzle that I'm solving for is always like, how do I connect this story, this this narrative? with this lesson in this many words. When I put those three things together, usually one of my articles comes out. So that's what I try to stick to. That's the, the methodology or the philosophy that I try to try to follow is the, how can I stay within those three pillars? Now, how did you land on that? Because it is very counterintuitive to the rest of the content marketing space and the advice, a lot of the advice is like bigger is better, longer words, because that's going to get you the the search rankings. And from what I've seen, a lot of your content, you really are performing well. You're doing a lot more over social media and you have a lot of engagement on your LinkedIn in particular to drive traffic to those pieces. Can you tell me a little bit about how you landed in that sort of zone, especially where it's kind of counter to what we know? Sure. I mean, very good copy started as, a way to kind of teach myself copywriting and, and marketing. You know, I was an English major. I, I, I studied literature in college. So when I graduated, I didn't know anything about copywriting. I didn't know anything about advertising or marketing. That just wasn't my discipline. I thought I was going to write books for a living. But breaking into, you know, being an author is pretty hard. So I got a job in sales for a year after college. And then I was still kind of like looking around for writing jobs and I landed on this this opportunity at career builder. It's like a job board site. And uh my job there was to uh create job descriptions or job ads. So you know, busy managers would have, you know, from big companies, you know, Google what have you would have a ton of job ads that they needed to run. And they would give them to me to kind of optimize them, rewrite them and make them engaging and, and compel people to click. And really, that was my worth. It was like my worth was based on how many times I can get people to click on that ad. So I realized eventually that I was doing direct response copywriting. And I kind of went down that rabbit hole and became really uh, consumed with it and obsessed with it. And so these articles were really just like a way for me to teach myself those techniques and those principles. I was like, if I can put this technique or this this principle into a clear and concise and engaging article for myself, then I'm probably ready to use it in my promotions. And so that's how it all started. I, I started creating these articles solely for my benefit. So there was no SEO involved. There was no, there weren't any of the tropes that you would typically see in content writing because it was all for me. 
And then eventually when I put them online, they gained traction kind of uh, organically. And so that's how it all started. It wasn't, you know, until a couple of years ago, I didn't start in earnest promoting it or marketing it. It was just kind of this, uh, this thing that I did to, to teach myself. And so maybe that's why, you know, I never really led with SEO or never really led with any of the, the traditional best practices. Now, what was that initial response to that? Because, you know, it was growing organically. And I know that my response when I first, like, first discovered the stuff that you're putting out there is that I thought you were just being very respectful of my time, right? You're giving me everything I need without insulting my intelligence, right? You know your audience pretty well, I would say, where it seems like you approach it with like this idea that the person on the other side already has some base of knowledge. What was that response like in the very beginning? Well, it was positive, I think. I, you know, it was, um, I don't even know if I was consciously trying to do that at first, be respectful of people's times or, or you know, I, I was just trying to do what I, you know, what I saw a lot of other copywriters do was, was try to be as concise as possible, you know? So when I was studying like direct response masters, Gary Halbert, John Carlton, Gary Bensavanga, they were teaching me a lot of things, but one of the salient points was, hey, you know, you have to uh, be clear and concise. And so that's what I was trying to do at all times is just kind of like follow those, follow those two things. It's like, is this sentence clear? Does it make sense immediately upon reading it? Is it concise? Am I using one word? You know, am I using three words where one will do? If so, let me, let me cut those words out. So I was just kind of like following those, those rules, I guess. And then eventually, yeah, I've, I heard that feedback a lot. And I heard people saying like, yeah, this is, this is, you know, copywriting for busy professionals or, you know, this is, this is a, a blog that really respects your time and, and gives you what you need immediately. So I kind of like leaned into it and, you know, started putting the word counts on there and everything. It, it was all very gradual and organic. I think Tommy, it wasn't like a, from the get go, that was my, that was kind of like my, uh, my MO. For sure. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about the persuade, like, because you've done direct response, you've kind of got this like range of things that you're doing, right? You've got the direct response side, the copywriting side, the blogging side, the social media side. And they're all these different aspects of the same idea, right? You do this really great job of telling a story uh, to get your point across. What's the question here? The question here, I suppose, is what are your thoughts on the persuasion elements? of that to get somebody to take action to go from one place to, an, to another to do the thing you want them to do. I don't know if that make, question makes sense. But. Well, you know, no, I think I think it does. I mean, you always you always need to incentivize people, you know. So like I think you're referring to my news like when I get people from my newsletter to my LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, the most successful newsletter sends and just for anybody that doesn't know, I have, a, I have a newsletter and in the newsletter, I post an article and I also post that exact same article on LinkedIn. And then I transfer the audience from my newsletter to LinkedIn to kind of stir up the algorithm and, you know, get everybody who engages and likes that post to share it with their network. And then it brings people to that post and then it gets them to my website and then they get into the newsletter. And so this, it's kind of this virtuous uh, cycle, this growth loop. And the most successful newsletter transfers are always the ones where I'm incentivizing folks. You know, there's always like, there's always a modicum of goodwill where people, you know, if they read a good article, I'll, I'll say, Hey, if you want to support me, you can go and leave a comment or engage with this somehow on LinkedIn. And 
a percentage of people will always do that because they appreciate the work and they appreciate what they learned uh, in that newsletter. Um, but the most <laughs> the most successful ones are where I'm like, hey, you know, if you leave a comment, you know, one one comment will win X Y Z. They'll win a course that I'm giving away, or one comment will win, you know, a 30 minute conversation with me where I'll edit something of yours. So, yeah, in so many words, it's like, how can I incentivize people? How do I know my how do I know my audience as well as possible so that I can put something in front of them that incentivizes them to go and do what I'm asking them to do? Because as much as goodwill does help and does work. Uh, we're all busy, right? Like we're all, we all need a reason to do something. And I think that's one of the salient points that, that uh, or rules, I guess, that every marketer and copywriter must follow. It's like, what's in it for me? People are always asking, what's in it for me? So answer that question and do it clearly and concisely. Can you give me an idea of what some of those incentives might be? Because you did say, you know, of course, but what are some of the other ideas? And speaking of which, I do want to just give you a quick plug right now for the course that you just launched. And I might want to talk about that just a little bit more in a bit too. Well, you know, that course is actually, as a matter of fact, today I sent out a newsletter and I said, hey, two people, if you comment on this on this post, two people are gonna win my course. The, the, the comment with no likes and the comment with the most likes, or one comment with no likes and the comment with the most likes. Ah, uh, brilliant. And it, in a couple hours, it's been uh, there's like 150 comments and it's growing steadily. I, you know, so it's I think that that's I think that's been a pretty good one. You know, give them something inherently valuable. You know, like like a piece of information, piece of content that not everybody is uh, is privy to. So something exclusive. Right on, right on. Okay, so we're gonna move into the next section of the show, which is tell me about your process for coming up with ideas and then your editorial process afterwards. So take me from the journey of ideation all the way to publication. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, ideation really starts with recording ideas, I think, for me. I have made it a draconian habit of mine to whenever I, whenever I have a connection, and the connection is basically what we were talking about at the top of the show is like, when I have a story or an anecdote, something that I saw in a show or something that I read in a book or something that I heard from, you know, someone else, a friend, that's where I get a lot of material, actually. It's just like, you know, stories that I hear other people say. So whenever I come into a story and I can connect that story because I have a modicum of knowledge when it comes to copywriting and, and creativity and marketing, if I hear something that reminds me of a lesson or a principle or a technique, and I make that connection and it seems flush to me, then I write it down. So I'll just make sure that I, I write down that idea, that, that connection in a running list that I call the well, because Physical I could just always. Uh, it's digital. It's digital. I just pull out my phone and, and I do All right. it. Because um, I don't know, because that's the thing, you don't always have a pen and paper, but like, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I always have my phone. So. Yeah, I'll just pull out my phone and I'll, I'll I'll write it down, and then I'll have it there. And I think that's probably the most important part, Tommy. For real, like it doesn't seem important, but like there's nothing worse than looking at a blank page and not knowing what you're going to write. So it's like it's really important for me to have a repository of ideas, of connections, of notes that I could just scroll through. And usually, it's like if I'm 
usually I write it down. And if I, if I feel excited about it in the moment, like if I feel emotional about it in the moment, but then if I'm scrolling through, you know, with the benefit of some time, you know, there's some ideas that kind of fade on me and I'm like, ah, I don't really, I'm not really into that anymore. There are some ideas that are still as exciting to me and as emotional to me. And so if I, that's kind of how I know that, Hey, maybe I should write this, you know, it's like, I remember when I was a kid, my mom told me that we were shopping and I was like, I don't know if I want this hat or whatever it was I was having. And she was like, look, just leave it. And if you leave the store and tomorrow or the next day you find yourself thinking about it, mm-hmm. then probably a pretty good indicator that you like it and that you'll wear it and that that's something that's that you should buy. And that's how I think about ideas as well. Now, in hindsight, it's like uh, if if I'm if an idea is kind of like lingering, it's back there and, and it won't go away. Then I know that that's probably something that I should write about. What's your uh, so- hit rate from? What's your ratio from uh, burnt ideas to ideas that actually make it? Low. <laughs> low. <laughs> Very low, man. You know, it takes it. Uh, quality comes from quantity, yeah. basically. You know, whether you're right, whether it's on paper and you've, you've written it, or it's just an idea that's sitting in the well, quality comes from quantity. So maybe one in 20 ideas or something will make it in two into an article That's maybe crazy. maybe maybe one in 15 one in 20 something like that because the ideas are easy to have ideas are really really easy to have especially after you kind of like train yourself to you know your your craft you know you know what you your discipline yep and then it's like you just kind of like train that muscle to to recognize recognize when a story kind of like overlaps or like can fit flush with with something in your discipline so those ideas are, are relatively easy for me to have. In fact, it's like now I have to like kind of like pare down how much I <laughs> how much I take how much I like take down those ideas because like my wife is like you know she's getting kind of tired of me pausing documentaries and pausing like shows. <laughs> and she's like, I'm trying to watch this, so I have to be respectful of that. But but yeah, so now I'm trying to kind of like pare it down. But I really think that that is the one of the most important things that I that I do and that I've trained myself to do is be really draconian about recording my ideas and, and keeping them there. I think discipline about any of this stuff is a is a recurring theme from a lot of the people that we've had on the show. All right, here's a question I've never asked before because we have talked about ideas and capturing ideas and the premacy of good ideas is some that it's a phrase that Ryan Law came up with when he was on the show and I thought that was brilliant. What makes a good idea? What makes a good idea? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess that's your your definition of an idea. You know, like for me, an idea is that combination of story and uh, takeaway, story and lesson. And if I have a good enough story, and if there's a clear enough connection to that lesson, then I think that makes a good idea, at least from my perspective. Because really, the story is the story is the most important part. Like the lessons, like copywriting, like marketing lessons are everywhere, you know, and we're all kind of saying the same things in a way, you know, there isn't anything new in the copywriting space or in the marketing space. I mean, there's new technology, there's new mediums, but the psychology behind copywriting and, and marketing is constant, you know, and that's because our psychology is constant. You know, we have the same psychology today as we had a thousand years ago. And probably will have 
in, into the future a thousand years. It's just like our brains evolve very, very slowly in that sense. <laughs> so there's nothing really new going on in the copywriting world, let's say, or in the creativity world. But there are new ways to uh, express those concepts and those techniques and those principles. And so the story is the most important part. If you can engage somebody with a story, make somebody feel something with a story, you know, that's how you write good articles. That's how I write my articles. That's how you write good ads. Uh, that's how you sell things. It's just show people a moment and transport them into that moment, make them feel that moment and connect that feeling to a product or something that you're selling. And that's how, that's how you sell things. So I guess to answer that very difficult question, by the way, <laughs> I think that that's, a, that's, a, that's a, what a good idea is to be. It's like, is it a good story in, in the first place? You know, and, and does it connect well to this lesson? I'm going to ask you one more question that's kind of the flip side of that or related to that is how do you keep your mind open to see good ideas? Because I think there's certainly a training to that. I know when I was at Shopify, one of the things that I would do is just observe myself as I was going through any sort of online checkout experience, as I was going through any of the buying experiences. How do you recognize an idea that you should at least try and capture? For me, it's it's like I was saying before, it's kind of like that emotion that I that like it's it, do I feel something, you know, like, am I excited? Is it exciting for me? You know, it's kind of like that that Robert Frost thing. What does he say? Like, no tears in the right or no tears in the rear kind of thing. It's like yep. if it if it's exciting for me, if it's emotional for me, then that's probably going to trigger a similar feeling or emotion in someone else because we're all we're all the same. I think that's how I think about it. Is like, am I excited by this? And if I am, like, you know, probably, you know, you got to trust yourself at some point. Like, and whenever you're doing anything creative, you know, writing, art, what have you, you got to trust yourself to a degree and just kind of like trust your intuition because we've all been doing this for a long time, and you know. You got to like kind of trust your experience. And uh, that's kind of the plight of, of like new creatives is they have to kind of like get through that period of, of uh, learning what they like and, and what moves them and trusting themselves. It's that Ira Glass quote where it's if you if you there's this gap between your taste, you have killer taste, but doing the actual work, there's a gap between those two things. And the only way to get through that is to do a lot of work. And I think. Yeah. What's great about what you're saying is basically it's about kind of staying in tune with your stuff and what is like what what your interests are and being observant of the world around you uh, and and sort of taking that as the inspiration. And where did I want to go with that? I wanted to say something to the extent of just, yeah, it's the training of yourself and sort of staying open to those experiences and really being aware. Let's move on to the next question, which is, tell me about your pregame. So you've, you've recognized a good idea. You've started, you're excited by it. You're not on the hamster wheel of trying to just generate for the sake of generating, which is something that I think is great about what you're saying. Tell me about your pregame before you sit down to edit. Well, you got to write it, I guess. 
before you edit it. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I just try to write it as fast as I can. I mean, the articles are generally pretty short and it's kind of like, I've written so many of them now that they kind of come out in that word count, which is like, you know, 300, 400 words. So I just kind of try to, I try to write it down as fast as I can, really. Sometimes I write them in 15 minutes. Sometimes I write them in a little bit, you know, in half an hour, whatever. But the the real work is editing, obviously. So because it's it's you can't edit a blank page, so you have to. <laughs> I just have to, I have to have a starting. You know what I mean? So I I write it down, and then yeah, and then I sit down and I try to really like I think about like, hey, what's the one thing I want to impart to people here? You know, like I don't want the article to do too much. I wanted to just say one thing really, really well. And I think that that's comforting for me. And, and I think it's comforting for the reader as well to know that, hey, there's just one thing to focus on here. One takeaway, one, one learning. And so that's what I try to edit for. I try to say, hey, what, what am I really trying to say here? What's the salient point that I'm making? And then I try to kind of trim off all of the fat or anything that's that's not that. And then... So that's kind of like the macro edit, you know, what am I trying to say? And then I guess like the micro edits around clarity and, and concision, you know, am I using, you know, five, $5 words here when I could be using 10 cent words? Am I using too many words when I could be using fewer words? You know, does this sentence make sense, you know, upon first read, does this sentence, is it easy to read, you know? So like little things like that, after that, after that big, uh, big picture macro edit takes place you know that that probably takes i don't know if it takes the longest but it takes a while you know because it's like you could you could play around with that stuff forever you can play around with it until you're dead so i i just don't i just put a time limit on it i just say hey i'm gonna give myself this many hours or i'm gonna i've got i gotta push this live by this date and whatever i have by that date i, I push live basically um because you could tinker forever how many hours it it depends what it depends when I when I sit down um, to start writing it. But like, let's say you know, you know, probably probably total. You know, I'm I'm working a day a day or two on on each article. You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be at my desk. Another thing, and this is just a personal thing for me. But I could I, I do a lot of work on the couch. You know, yep. at night. You know, I'm just after I'm done watching whatever I was watching, I just kind of feel like I don't feel like watching TV anymore or whatever. So I'll just pull out my phone and I'll just edit on my phone. And actually, it, it helps when I trans transition from like my computer to my phone because it's just like it's a different view. It's a different screen. I don't know why, but it just it just helps me see it a different way. No, I think that's cool. Like Aaron Balsa was on the show months and months ago now and she said that when she edits most of the time she's editing on her phone because that's where most people are consuming the content mm. and i thought that was kind of this like it sounds like you're kind of arriving at that intuitively but like i think that's a brilliant approach to it because you know i know for me i'm like i'm not reading three thousand words on this right now i've got no time so the idea of editing on your phone is i think something that needs to be popped like popularized a little bit more because it's just not talked about enough um yeah but that is that is exactly the incisive uh kind of thing that that aaron would would say she's she's fantastic so yeah i i will go back and watch that one 
Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it was a great episode too. One of the things she was talking about is like, and this is very much in line with what, what you do, right? She, she said, you know, CEOs don't read listicles. They just don't. And I think that's really neat is like what you're coming out with are these really good ideas that are respectful of time. I think the, cause you speak more to a senior level marketer themselves, right? And it's a little bit more advanced and it's, again, it's respectful of the time. And I just, I appreciate that as, as a, as a fanboy, I really appreciate the work that you do, especially in that area.